I want to speak to you for a few minutes about um, a title called A Dose of Hope. And um, our world is in need of hope. We all are. If you've got your Bibles, this is one of those times. I don't do this often, but I do it every once in a while just to keep you sharp. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read, I think it's nine verses from 1 Peter. Um, if you have a hard copy, turn there. I'll give you time to get there. And um, if you have a smartphone, an iPad, or an Android, or whatever you have, go there with us. And, then, and we're going to read, and I want to encourage you to kind of keep it open, because we're going to refer back to these passages, um, or these verses, I should say. Let me... Let me give you the setting to understand the book of First Peter. What's happening, Peter is addressing Jews who have been spread out into different parts of the world, and they are now enduring intense persecution. It's somewhere around 81 A.D. to 96 A.D. that this book was written. And so he is addressing people who are going through something similar to what we are going through, only it's way more intense and advanced. Perhaps we will be in a season that's closer to what theirs was, but right now we're not. Um, and this morning, I want to be, let, let me just share with you as your pastor, you know, a lot of my friend pastors on Labor Day, it's kind of a great opportunity to get out and be away because so many people are out, the youth group's out, there's a bunch of our people who are not with us this morning. And I was sharing with Pastor Munn earlier this week, we process a lot of times just from a pastoral standpoint what's happening, what God is saying, what our people need. And um, I just shared with him, I really feel like I need to be here this morning because the Lord has given me something to share. And um, it just seems like every week just... There's a, a higher degree of weariness, and people are growing tired, and this situation is kind of getting old. And we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel from a natural standpoint yet. And so, in this season, we're having to dig a little deeper. And the Bible says, deep calls unto deep, and that's what that means. Deep travail, deep heartache causes us to really go deeper in his presence, in his word, deeper in our experience with the Holy Spirit. And so I, I'm looking at God's word and seeing some stuff that I really feel like is perfect for what we're going through. Here in 1 Peter, it's kind of a, a manual on how to survive persecution. It's a manual for survival for people of faith. And that's kind of what we need right now. Like, you know, we're in this crazy world, in this crazy situation, and it's like, what meds do I need? What do I not need? And you're probably like me. You're paying attention. It's like, and what's the truth? Do I need this or do I need to stay away from this? There's a lot of that going on, and, and, and where we are this morning is, I want to give you some advice from God's Word on what you do need 
to survive in this current crazy atmosphere in which we find ourselves. So, 1 Peter chapter 1 says in verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, here's who he's addressing, to God's elect, those who've experienced salvation. These are Jews that have placed their faith in the Messiah, Jesus. And he calls them strangers in the world. What does your translation say? Pilgrims, aliens, foreigners, what, what? exiles. So God's chosen, God's, those who are his children place their faith in Jesus. Strangers, foreigners, aliens, exiles in the world. Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of, the Father, of God the Father through the sanct. There's so much I'd love to stop. and when I, can't, I can't read nine verses and not stop. In Jesus' name, focus, 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 focus. Yes, I can do it. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. And praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And as a result, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, there's three things I want to talk about, and then we're going to pray for each other. And at the end of the sermon this morning, we're going to come to the Lord's table, and we're going to enjoy a time of communion together. In this preamble, Peter first addresses them as strangers, aliens. And so there's a mindset. Of the three simple things I want to say to you this morning, the first one is this, that you've got to embrace the stranger mentality. Now, I want you to be aware that you are a stranger. I don't want you to be strange. I want you to, to understand the mentality of a pilgrim, an alien, a foreigner, someone that is in a place where they don't belong forever. 
In verse 1, he says, to God's elect strangers in the world. In chapter 2, verse 11, he says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. So he's continuing, and he does it in verse 17 of the first chapter again. He's addressing them, helping them to understand, stay aware of the fact that this isn't your eternal destination. So what's he saying? What's he, what, what's he getting at? He's getting at our need to understand our point of reference, our identity as Christians in a fallen world, and the fact that it should be rooted, our identity should be rooted in the fact that life here on planet Earth is not our final destination. Our home is not in the here and now. Verse 17, he says, live out your time as foreigners. Do it here in reverent fear. What does this mean? It means that, listen, we live here with our hearts there. In Colossians chapter three, the first verse, Paul says, set your hearts on things above. The very next verse, he says, set your minds on things above as well. Jesus addresses this and the, 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 the need to have that kind of understanding of where our hearts and minds need to, to stay. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter six, verse 19 through 21, in the message it says this, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. But stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place where you will most want to be and end up being. We are, we are enduring a calibration. Our hearts, you know, this wasn't a three-week deal. How many of you thank God we finally flattened the curve two weeks in? You know, this, this is a forced, lengthy season. And we're having to get our hearts recalibrated or calibrated. And we're having to deal with some stuff that, as Westerners, it, it's agitating. A lot of us, we do have a new normal. And our new normal is somewhat unstable and unpredictable, and it's forcing us into a, a, a faith realm, a faith focus for those who are surviving. Um, being away from home can be uneasy. When I was a little boy, this is one of the traumatic memories that I have, and I share it with you because it was traumatic. My mom and dad didn't mean for it to be traumatic, but as I reflected back on it, I had a little brother who was five years younger than me and two older sisters. And I think it was at a time mom just needed a break in the summer. And so she took me away to be with her mother, Nana, in Galax, Virginia. It's literally 30 minutes from Mayberry. Like the real Mayberry. Seriously, where it was filmed. But when you're seven years old, I remember going, okay, it's awesome, summer. And the first day I got to, my Nana was one of seven children. 
One of her sisters was named Aunt Lola. Does this sound like Mayberry or what? You thought I was going to say Aunt B. No. But they did call me Opie growing up, for real. And uh, so I got to go to Aunt Lola's beauty shop. Anybody remember when a salon, a salon was called a beauty shop. And the first day I was enamored by a little, one of those old-fashioned Coke machines where you, you open that little door and, just boop, boop, and you pull it out. And drinking from an old Coke bottle, you haven't lived until you've had Coke from something other than plastic. And the first day, that was so awesome. And I can remember exploring and finding. The second day, it was less awesome. The third day, it was like, this is not awesome at all. Four day, five day, and Nana had a little room added onto her two, her little two room house in Galax, Virginia. And I can remember, I remember this. I'm not making this up or exaggerating. I can remember, I just started missing my mommy. And I can remember just going in and putting my head in the pillow, face down, and crying, and apparently I was crying loud enough for my Nana to hear me. And it was, I was seven years old for there, there for seven days, and my mother finally came and rescued me. And on the way home, it was her way of apologizing, and she made me aware of the fact that Nana overheard me and that she realized I had become homesick. Have you ever been homesick? Homesick is like, there is, nothing fixes it. You, nothing, I just, nothing fixes it except going back home. It's like, you ache, there's no toy, there's no candy bar good enough. I just want to go back home. And in this season, there is a, an agitation, there is a, an awareness that's coming on some people. It's not on everybody. In fact, it's a small minority right now. We are coming to realize, truly, our faith, this is not our home. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to encourage you in a few minutes, but the one thing I want you to get up front is that 401k, you may not to get you may not get to enjoy all of it. That house, you might get evicted when the trump of God sounds and the dead in Christ rise and the body of Christ is caught up to meet him in the in the air. How many of you could stand that kind of eviction notice? Listen, what I'm getting at is I want us to embrace a mindset that says this earth is not my home. Now hear me. I said I want you to realize you're a stranger, but I don't want you to be strange. There's things for us to do. I'm not going to embrace an escapist mentality that is like, come Jesus, come rapture us where I'm irresponsible. No, but there's a balance. What's the balance? The balance is, do we just gather as Christians saying, come get us, Lord, or do we occupy until he comes? Do we continue to hold the line? Yes, we do. Do we stand on 
behalf of our children, do we stand against the indoctrinating that's happening to the next generation? Yes, we do. So what we do is we know where our hearts long to be. But until he comes and gets us, we will be people of prayer, people of worship, people of faith. We will stand on his word and we will do everything we can to receive the redemption of lost souls. People come to know Jesus. But here's the deal. For you to be at peace in this season that we don't see an end for it, you've got to understand we are strangers, pilgrims, aliens, foreigners. We've been exiled to planet Earth. So I am a member of God's elect, a stranger in the world. This is not my final destination. The second thing is this. I want you to embrace a worship response. I want you to have, no matter what happens, I want you to learn to have a jerk reaction to whatever happens in your world. In verse 3 from our text, Peter says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our... Peter, you're in your preamble. You've said to God's elect, strangers, do you know what's happening, Peter? And you're going into praise God, worship God. Yes, he is. And you and I need to go into it and understand praise, worship, giving honor to our Heavenly Father is always a good place to start. In good times, it's a good place to start. In bad times, it's a good place to start. No matter how dark the days, no matter how bleak the future looks, no matter how, listen, no matter how intense the persecution becomes, we will always have a good reason to worship our God. We will always have a reason to praise him. If for no other reason, we are God's elect. Strangers, so we can praise him. Job talked about it. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. David talked about it and he knew good times and bad. In Psalm 34, verse one, he says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I want you to say this with me. I want you to read this verse out. I want you to, we're gonna say it together and we're gonna fill the atmosphere with instructions for each of us to live. And we're gonna make a commitment to doing this. So say it with me. I will bless the Lord. You ready? Here we go. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Praise and worship is evidence that you have set your heart and mind on things above. In fact, it helps you set your heart and mind on things above. Plus, the resources from above come down and they're released into your existence when you offer up praise. But we don't offer up praise just to get what's up there down here, but it happens. We offer up praise because he is worthy. And when I say this, I want to just remind you again, I want the, the knee-jerk, boop, boop. I want the knee-jerk reaction, boop, to not be that. I want it to be this. When bad stuff happens, what do you say? 
Praise the Lord. When good stuff happens, what do you say? Not, praise the Lord. No, I want it the same. It's boop, boop. Got it? When good stuff happens, what? That was so weak. When good stuff happens, what? When bad stuff happens, what? Even better. We learn to be people of worship. The, the simple encouragement from your pastor this morning, fill your house with worship. Fill your house, house with praise. Change that atmosphere. Do not let Don Lemon or Sean Hannity or anybody else condition the atmosphere in your house. Do not let the AJC, do not let anybody set or establish the atmosphere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I know you're hearing what I'm saying, but are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm, I'm speaking into a culture of church Christians that we love worship music. We love the sound of it. Do we understand and do we love the presence of the one who enters when worship is being offered up as an incense of praise. We must learn, we must learn the difference between music and worship and we must commit to being people in this hour to being people that offer praise and worship to God. So these two things I've said and then third one, we're closing up shop. This is the mindset I am God's elect. I am a stranger in this world. Praise God. Thirdly, and lastly, I want to remind you about the gift of living hope. I love the fact that the Bible calls it living hope. Not just real hope, but living hope. And I love what Peter ties it to, the resurrection of Jesus. This is what will keep us moving forward in faith, with passion, having a living hope. I understand that man can live, and you probably know this, 40 days without food, about three days without water, and about eight minutes without air. But we can't live one second without hope. From our text, in verse three it says, praise, because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Later, verses 18 through 21, this is what Peter says. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Verse 21, read it and say it aloud with me. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. I want to say it loudly and clearly. Our faith and hope are in God. The God who raised Jesus from the dead. Peter is doing what Paul is always doing. He's taking us back to the empty tomb and the need for believers to constantly 
go back to the empty tomb, to be reminded that even death does not limit us or our God. And that's why we have a hope where we can hope against hope. We can hope in spite. Here, here, this is where I start going, oh, Lord, it's a holiday weekend. Just take a chill pill. Try the decaf, Pastor Chuck. We have a hope that no one, no thing, no situation can ever take it away. Nothing can rob us of our living hope. Nothing. No thing, no one, no time, no season. Because the tomb is empty. And so I want to connect you to the same thing. You have a hope. Not in who's in the White House. A hope not in any earthly thing. A hope when it looks like it's all messed up beyond the point of no return. We have a hope. Listen, we have a hope in the morgue. We have a hope standing facing a cross with a dead Messiah on it. That's our hope. So what's the takeaway? The takeaway is this. When it looks like, God, I don't think your plan worked to send Jesus to the earth to purchase our salvation. When you don't understand God's plan, that's what you do. And if you and I were one of the disciples between Good Friday and Great Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we would have doubted, we would have hidden in fear as well. But we're not like the disciples. They didn't know what was gonna happen on, good, on Resurrection Sunday. You and I do. We know what happened. And this is why Peter is tying us to that event. The tomb is empty. So when you say, God, I don't think your plan was a good one. He says, trust me. When we say, God, that didn't work. He says, just wait. When we say, no, the Messiah, or the one we thought was the Messiah, is dead. He's actually dead, dead. This is why Lazarus, Jesus, on his way to the cross, spoke to Lazarus about coming forth as foreshadowing. And we've got more than Lazarus. We stand here with a Savior who conquered death, hell, and the grave. You don't know how I'm feeling this. You don't know what my feet and my shoes are on a solid rock. Pastor Chuck, are you oblivious to what's going on? No, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. I also know what is about to go down. We're gonna hold the line. We're gonna contend. We're gonna be people of prayer. We're gonna worship in here. And while the whole world is falling apart and our nation is being dismantled, I feel like David Jeremiah and what he said this week. 
These events are not isolated events. There, there is a, an adversary, and it's more than a country in the Far East. It's more than people who don't agree with you politically. There is an adversary, and he is real. And Paul said, we should not be ignorant of his schemes. I know what's going on, but I know who is in control. And we worship him, and that's why we worship him. And I just want to speak into you, brothers and sisters, that your faith would be, that your hope would be in God, our Savior, the power of his spirit, the truth of his word. This is a place where we Westerners, we haven't had to go in a long time. You know, and we're having to be convinced. Look, look at me, I'm gonna talk to you real talk just for a second. We're having to be convinced of our own faith. I believe that there are pastors right now who are, who are asking themselves, who've been pastoring in North America, who for the last 40 years we've experienced more prosperity than any nation has ever experienced. It's been kind of easy and comfortable to be a Christian. We even, we got so prosperous, we got to come up with a new gospel, the prosperity gospel, and we got to come up with all these things. This is like God at Six Flags, and we go from Six Flags to a Mediterranean cruise on to heaven. And we're, we're having to, and there are pastors going, do I really believe this? We're, we're having to deal with deep calls unto deep, and this deep trial is causing us, our roots to go down deep and find out what, what our faith is really made of. And I just want to encourage you this morning. You know, we're going to make it. You know, my, my son Stone, we picked him up from the airport in 1st of August, first week of August. And he had spent six weeks over in Nigeria. And on the way home from the airport, he, he got to where he couldn't talk. And he said, Dad, have you ever experienced the love of God? And I was like, yeah, I have. So, and he looked at me like I was lying to him. He was like, Dad, I don't, I don't mean do you understand. He's like, have you ever, have you ever, have y'all ever experienced? He, he's a Ramsey, so he talks just like, like, have you ever experienced the love of God? And I'm like, yes. And we had to convince him. He was like, no, what I just experienced, I'm not making this. He's like, Dad, he was so moved. Like, I experienced a new level of love. I don't think you've ever experienced that. I'm like, no, son, I have experienced it. When we finally convinced him that we know what he, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, the sweetness of God's presence. I preached the last night of a revival in Augusta this week, and I'd ask the church if I could have the sanctuary for an hour in the afternoon, blocked out, just me in the sanctuary, because I just, I wanted to pray and just hear God's heart for that church and that city, and I was so overwhelmed in God's, the sweetness of his presence, that I had to go, not just grab a few tissues, I had to get the tissue box, and I was just overwhelmed with this reality your presence, oh God, it's my life. 
And I heard the Lord saying, I want to fill this church. I want to fill this church with my presence. And Stone was trying to say to us, Dad, have you ever experienced that? And I was saying, yes. And when we finally convinced him we've experienced, he said, Dad, I want everybody to experience what I've experienced this morning. I want everybody to experience that. I want everybody to have a real faith in Jesus that gives you a hope regardless of the circumstances. Are y'all out there this morning? Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying. So be glad. We're strangers. This isn't the end. Praise God. Let that be our knee-jerk reaction. Because we have a hope that will never die. We are overcomers in the name of Jesus. Now, in closing, I want to just say this, and we're going to want to pray. We're going to come to the Lord's table, and then we're going to pray over some. We're going to pray over those who would like to receive prayer because I, I know it's crowding in. There's a weariness, and the revelation tells us that Satan over. Listen, the Bible says that Satan overcomes the saints, the elect, us. He wearies them day and night, and that's us. He's, there is a wearying impact. And this week, I asked the Lord. I was like, I, don't, I didn't go on Facebook. I didn't read. I've read my devotionals, but I was like, God, I want to know, what are you saying? What are you speaking? And the Lord told me this. He said this, I love you. You are forgiven, and I'm still in control. It's like, I can, I can receive that. Do you know how loved you are and how trans, transformational his love is? His love's the most powerful force in the universe. It's more powerful than judgment. It's more powerful than financial power, military power. It's more powerful than congressional action, which is actually an oxymoron. It's more powerful than any army. It's more powerful than fear, the spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power that comes from love that gives us a sound mind. I don't have time to break that down, but everybody hearing what I'm saying? We don't have fear. He's given us a spirit of power that comes from the revelation of what real love is and how loved we are. And that makes our minds sane, sound, at peace. Grace and peace be yours in abundance in abundance. May you know he loves you. Number two, that you are forgiven. Can you imagine if you were sitting here today going, he loves me, but I'm not forgiven? That wouldn't feel very good. If you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, if you've accepted God's offering of Jesus on the cross, you're forgiven. 
How awesome is that? No more shame, no more condemnation, no more guilt, no more demonic torture of what you did or what was done to you in your past. You are free. He loves you. You are forgiven. And he's still the omnipotent God in the universe who rules and reigns in majesty, in might, in power, in love. He, he is not threatened, caught off guard, intimidated. The Bible says his eyes, he never gets sleepy. They never get heavy. He does not sleep or slumber. And his arms are not too short. He's not a T-Rex God. He can reach out across the universe and fix. He can speak the word and set you free from fear, anxiety, worry, condemnation, guilt. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me as we come to the Lord's table? If you have the elements, or if you don't have the elements, if you'll raise your hand, one of our ushers will make sure everybody is prepared. And as we come to the Lord's table, be reminded what we celebrate happened in history is actuated here. We're getting ready to, listen, communion, Latin term, com, with, unity, union, oneness. Jesus, at the Last Supper, he celebrated the fact that he was getting ready to bring God and man back together with oneness. And so as we come to the table, we open up to receive the wafer. And as you break this wafer in just a minute, may you be reminded that we worship him and he heals our bodies. The last night Jesus was with the disciples at the Last Supper, hours before he would be crucified, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's eat and remember. If you need healing, physical, emotional, relational, in any way, Jesus, he purchased our healing May it be actuated in this place. High blood pressure, migraine headaches, COVID, fear of COVID, cancer, Lou Gehrig's disease, asthma, Parkinson's. In the name of Jesus, allergies, be healed now in Jesus' name. Let signs and wonders follow them that believe. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Before we move on to the cup, we should pause. If you need healing, would you just raise one of your hands? The hand that's not holding the cup, would you just say, I receive my healing from you, Lord Jesus. I receive it right now, complete. Spirit, soul, and body, mind, will, and emotions. I receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We're going to hear. I just hear this. The Lord's. Some of you are going to receive it, and you're going to be surprised. And it's going to be a divine... I don't have that anymore. And when you do, you need to let us know. We're going to share it in this room. 
in the name of Jesus. How many of you love for signs and wonders? Not strange stuff, but stuff that you go, wow, we got to give God glory for that in the name of Jesus. After the meal, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. When you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And before you drink, look at me. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sins from us. East from west in Hebrew literature is a description of eternity. You can't measure from east to west. And the Bible says he's removed our sins that far. Though you be, your sins make you like scarlet, like a blood-stained banner. His blood will cleanse you and make you as white and pure as the driven snow. Anybody ever been in a fresh snowfall? How quiet it is before the cars and the kids play in it. In the name of Jesus, by this right here, you've been cleansed. You've been made new. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a brand new creation. The old is gone. Somebody say hallelujah. The old is gone and the new has come in Jesus' name. That bankruptcy, that divorce, that thing that happened to you, that thing that was said to you, gone in the name of Jesus. Now, are y'all ready to drink? In Jesus' name, we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Take a minute and just put the cup there behind you. We're going to worship. I'm going to open. We haven't done this since pre-COVID. And I felt led this week that we must do this. This is why I really felt led like I need to be here this morning. Some of you, I want to anoint you with oil. I'm going to ask Pastor Mun and Roshan and Mark and other elders or staff. Honey, if you'll help us this morning, I'd like for you to help us. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to invite you, if you're comfortable, to come forward in just a minute, and we want to pray over you. We're going to anoint you with oil, and the oil, nothing magical about the oil. It's just, if I can find it, just simple virgin olive oil. And the Bible, it's symbolic of Holy Spirit. James chapter 5, it says, if there's any among you that are sick, let him call the elders, anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and the sick will be made well. There's a lot of us dealing with fear, anxiety, and there's a demon of distraction, worry, stress, fear. And in the name of Jesus, we're going to pray over you. Brothers and sisters, look at me. I know some of you are like, how can that be? And you're like, you need somebody up close to model what that looks like. When the, when the news comes in and says this, when the, the alert on your iPhone comes in from Epic News or comes in from wherever it comes in from, it comes in from hell and says, here's what I'm doing. You'll be able to go, I don't agree with that. I don't receive that. Whoop. And I don't open that up. In the name of Jesus, you're not going to be controlled by fear or worry or anxiety because you are loved, you are forgiven, and your Father is still in control. Can I get a witness out there? In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Pastor, would you and Mark and Roche and Candace, would you come? If there are any other elders here this morning that can pray, Praise you, Lord. 
Dean and Lisa and the worship team are going to lead us in the song Living Hope. If you're here this morning and you go, I, I want to receive prayer. I want to come out from under that fog that's gotten me in the name of Jesus. And listen, before you're sitting there and going, don't let the enemy go, I don't want to be the only one. I, I don't want to be one of the three pitied people. Listen, truth be told, there's probably only three people going that should stay back. The rest of us need prayer this morning. Can I get a witness? And the three that should stay back, they're up here praying for you. So nobody should be back. Okay? And I want you all, Candace and Pastor, would you all come on over here? Because it took us a while to get to everybody in the first service. Nothing magical. It's spiritual. We're just going to pray over you. If you're comfortable, I want to invite you to come forward now. We're going to pray over you, your marriage, your family. In the name of Jesus, just step out. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. Come on, step out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, you all? Thank you. And I, I probably should have told you, if you need to leave, feel free to leave. Um, very different in the way we, the first service and this service. Um, I, I, listen to me. God... If I, could, if I could sit with every one of you right now, Holy Spirit is saying so much. Um, I could have spent 20 minutes with every person just reminding them things that God's revealing to me to say to them that he wants to encourage them. And if, you, if I didn't pray for you or someone else didn't pray for you, listen, in the name of Jesus, be built up right now. Everybody do this. You got breath in your lungs. Your lungs are working, right? I had COVID in January. It took me weeks to be able to do that without going. <coughs> you know, as long as there's breath in our lungs, we're going to use our voices to praise him. I, in the name of Jesus, I speak it over everybody. Knee-jerk reaction. No matter what happens, we praise you, Lord. No matter what happens, we worship you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. So may we have a mindset that says... I'm traveling through this place. This earth is not my home. May we have a mindset that says, I'm going to worship you no matter what. And may we have a hope that's rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. And it's a hope that is alive. And if you want a hope that's alive and pulsating, come on, lift your hands in the name of Jesus. As the world is falling apart, Jesus, God is putting his church back together. He's keeping you together in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. I feel so filled up. I trust that you do. I could go another hour. I'd be in trouble later. But God is alive. He's working. Don't believe the press. Don't believe the media. Don't believe the devil. In the name of Jesus, our hope is a hope that is alive. Amen? You are going to prosper. You are going to be healthy. You're going to be delivered. Your job is secure no matter who you work for because your Father in heaven knows how to give good gifts to his children. 
You are covered and protected more than you could ever know. You believe that this morning? In the name of Jesus. So as we leave, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. Come on, a a good faith field. I receive it in Jesus' name. Y'all have a good afternoon, a great week. I love you.